Hey, 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 English 11. How are you guys? Day back from, first day back from spring break. I am sure for a lot of you, this day feels different. Maybe this day feels more annoying because it sure feels like you're being asked to do schoolwork in a way that you weren't being asked before. I know in English 11, we are turning it up by reading The Great Gatsby. And I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled to be talking to you guys about real content. And I'm so excited to be teaching a book that is going to make you a stronger reader. It's going to challenge you. You're going to love it. You're going to fall in love with characters. You're going to get frustrated by characters' decisions. And I'm going to be here for all of it. So I want to do three things. First, we're going to do trivia. You know, the first day back from break, I always like to do trivia. Um, then we're going to talk about the class a little bit, like what is happening, Mrs. Ford. And then we're going to talk about a teeny tiny bit of chapter one. Chapter one, well, I'm going to save that. Okay. So if you're new to my podcast, I'm going to record an episode every single night. It'll be between about 15 and 30 minutes. And I would highly encourage you guys to listen every single night. Number one, what else are you doing? And number two, it's a way for you to hear me discuss the book. Um, this book is complicated and detailed. And I know that if you listen to me, it'll really help you. So we're going to start off real quick with some trivia because I like to ease back into to school after a break. And today is no different. So get out a scratch sheet of paper and a pen or a pencil, or you can even do it on your phone. But don't Google stuff because that's not how you play trivia. Okay, guys? You're going to want to number your sheets one through eight. There are eight questions. I want you to keep track of your score. These are a wide variety of topics. So I hope you are ready. Question number one. What is the last name of the family in the TV series Family Guy? Go ahead and write down your answer. What is the last name of the family in the TV series Family Guy? Number two, what is the time difference between London and New York? What is the time difference between London and New York? Number three, what neurological disorder involves falling asleep involuntarily and randomly? What neurological disorder involves falling asleep involuntarily and randomly? That is number three. Number four. Which element has the chemical symbol FE? Which element has the chemical symbol FE? Number five. In what state is Gettysburg located? In what state is Gettysburg located? Number six. What was the name of former U.S. President George W. Bush's mother? What was the name of former U.S. President George W. Bush's mother? Number seven. Does the Statue of Liberty hold the torch in her right or left hand? Does the Statue of Liberty hold the torch in her right or left hand? And our last one, number eight. What boxer nicknamed the real deal 
had a section of his ear bitten off by Mike Tyson in 1997. What boxer, nicknamed The Real Deal, had a section of his ear bitten off by Mike Tyson in 1997? Okay, do you guys have all your answers written down? Now I'm going to read you the answers, and then for each one that you get correct, you're going to give yourself a point. Okay, so here we go. Number one, I didn't know the answer to this one. The last name of the family in Family Guy is Griffin. Number two, the time difference between New York and London is five hours. Number three, the neurological disorder that involves falling asleep randomly and involuntarily is narcolepsy. Number four, the chemical that has this, that has FE as its symbol is iron. Number five, Gettysburg is in Pennsylvania. Number six, George W. Bush's mom's name is Barbara Bush. Number seven, the Statue of Liberty holds the torch in her right hand. And number eight, Evander Holyfield is the name of the boxer who had his ear bitten off by Mike Tyson in 1997. Okay, on Instagram, if you're on Instagram, I'm going to ask you guys to post your scores. And then if you're not on Instagram, I'm going to ask you guys to email me your scores or post to Classroom. Okay, so that is the end of trivia. I hope you got I hope you got them all right. I don't know. They were tricky. I didn't know Family Guy. And um, I think I said six hours for London and NYC. And I still think that might be true depending on daylight savings. But I'm going to figure that out later. Okay, so let's transition to class. Every Monday, you're going to see me post a video in Classroom. And it's going to be a video of me taking you through the work for the week. And we're really going to go one week at a time. I don't want to plan for the next nine weeks. I think that's pretty overwhelming to put all that in classroom. So we're going to go one week at a time. And in English 11, it's going to be really simple. Every week, we're going to read one chapter in The Great Gatsby. Now, I kind of say that with an asterisk next to it. Once we get rolling, we may do two chapters in one week, but for the most part, we're going to do one chapter per week, especially in the beginning. Every Monday, I'm going to post the chapter questions and the chapter assignment. And those are going to be due on Thursday. And then also every Monday is going to be a journal. Mr. Malash sent out an email today detailing what the next nine weeks of your life are going to look like. And I highly encourage you to make sure you read that email in detail. I am not in charge of how how this goes, basically. I'm, not, I'm in charge of teaching the great Gatsby. That's right. But I'm not in charge in, uh, in deciding of like whether or not you get credit or a grade or whatever. Those decisions are going to be decided by people that are in charge of our building, in charge of our district, and all of those decisions have to be approved by the state of Michigan. So when you see an email from Alash or from Berkeley High School, you gotta read it. But we're going to start The Great Gatsby today sort of imagining, you know, that we're all together as a class and this is the work for the day, work for the week. So one thing, I have my book right here, and I'm going to talk a little bit about chapter one. And every day on the podcast this week, I'm going to talk about a different aspect of chapter one. The focus of today is going to be the narrator, and his name is Nick Carraway. I'm going to read some excerpts from chapter one for you guys. I'm going to point out some things that I want you to know about chapter one. I'm certainly not going to be able to get through the content of the whole chapter, but I really would encourage you to tune into the podcast every night. I will, I'm not going to 
repeat. Like I'm not going to do another Nick Carraway chapter one episode. So if you listen tonight, that's great. Listen tomorrow and you're going to get even more information. Okay. Make sure you're checking Google Classroom. Make sure you're watching my video. If you are confused or if you have questions, I want you guys to email me. The one thing I haven't done yet because I haven't quite figured it out is I have to post office hours, but I'm going to be available once a week via Google Meet and you guys can just drop into Google Meet and see my face and I can see your face. Excuse me. And you can ask any questions you want about the book or you can just come say hi to me if you want. Um, the office hours will most likely be Thursday or Friday. So that way we can get through quite a bit of content and you guys can come check in with me then. Okay. Okay. So chapter one is all about this magical word called exposition. And if you guys think back to the ninth grade, when you learned in your short story unit, if you were in Berkeley for ninth grade, you want to picture that short story or any novel, like it follows the same arc. It goes flat line. Then we go up a ramp for the rising action. Then we climax at the top with the turning point, And then we go back down for the falling action. And then we have what we call the resolution or the denouement. So exposition is background information that the reader has to have in order to understand the rising action. So in chapter one, exposition includes the following, the main players in the game, who is involved in the story. It's also going to involve where we are in the world, both time and place. And it's going to introduce us to some problems that the main characters are having. So that's chapter one. A big part of this book is the narrator. And I want to talk a little bit about the narrator. The Great Gatsby is narrated by one of the characters, and his name is Nick Carraway. And Nick Carraway is an extremely important character for a lot of different reasons. And so many of his amazing qualities are revealed in the first couple pages of the book, which is where I'm going to focus tonight. We need Nick Carraway to be an extremely observant person. One question we always want to ask ourselves in books is, who is telling us this story? Whose eyes are we looking through the entire time? And Nick Carraway is the man who's telling us this story. Now, if you've seen the movie, the one released recently, they set it up a little differently, but they maintain that the narrator is Nick Carraway. And if you haven't seen the movie, you could just watch the preview. And Tobey Maguire, the actor Tobey Maguire, plays Nick Carraway. And I love that they picked him because he has these like giant blue eyes. Do you guys know what I'm saying? And one of Nick Carraway's really important qualities is that he's extremely observant. So I want to read to you guys the first three paragraphs of the book. Um, and I'm, I'm going to try not to use page numbers um, just because we all may, might have a different version. Um, but I am on the first page of chapter one. So we all know where the first page is. And he says, in my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. Whenever you feel like criticizing anyone, he told me, just remember that all the people in this world haven't had the advantages that you've had. He didn't say any more, but we've always been unusually communicative in a reserved way. And I understood that he meant a great deal more than that. In consequence, I'm inclined to reserve all judgments. I'm underlining that line. A habit that has opened up many curious natures to me and also made me the victim of not a few veteran bores. The abnormal mind is quick to detect and attach itself to this quality when it appears in a normal person. And so it came about that in college, I was unjustly accused of being a politician. 
because I was privy to the secrets, the secret griefs of wild unknown men. Most of the confidences were unsought. Frequently I have feigned sleep, preoccupation, or hostile levity when I realized by some unmistakable sign that an intimate revelation was quivering on the horizon. For the intimate revelations of young men, or at least the terms in which they express them, are usually plagiaristic and marred by obvious suppressions. Reserving judgments is a matter of infinite a hope. I am still a little afraid of missing something if I forget that. As my father snobbishly suggested, and I snobbishly repeat, a sense of the fundamental decencies is par parceled out unequally at birth. Amen. Amen. Oh, guys, let's talk about a couple things. Number one, you as the high school reader, the 16-year-old reader may be thinking, Mrs. Ford, what did you just say? Because I literally understood none of it. And that is okay, guys, okay? I want to tell you right now that that is okay. But that is also not a reason to give up. It is not a reason to hit pause or stop on this podcast. It is a reason to dig in a little. It is a reason to take your time when you read. It is a reason to listen to my podcast. So let's back up a couple steps and break down what we just heard. Notice the opening line, or sorry, the opening like scenario. Nick Carraway says, you know, when I was young, my dad gave me this piece of advice. And it says, just remember that all the people in this world haven't had the advantages that you've had. Well, we can all understand what that means, right? Then Nick Carraway tells us that he has this tendency. He says, I'm inclined to reserve all judgments. I'm circling it now. Okay, so our main character has said to us that he reserves all judgments, meaning he really tries hard not to pass judgment on people. He then goes on to say, in that little bit I just read, that as a result of being a person who doesn't pass judgment, many people confide in him. Many people tell Nick Carraway their secrets. And so when he said, oh my gosh, I've many of the confidences were unsought, meaning like I didn't even ask for these secrets. He says he has faked sleep. He's, um, he's tried to get out of it. But he said, inevitably, once people realize he's a person who reserves judgment, people tell him all their secrets because nobody wants to be judged. I want you to pause for a second and imagine a person in real life. Hopefully you have at least one person who does not judge you for what you do. And if you know that as a result of that, you can kind of like confess everything to them because they, they know that you're not going to, they know that you know that they're not going to pass judgment. Quick personal digression. Every Friday night at eight o'clock, I have a Zoom call with my best friends from college and there's um, nine or 10 of us on the call usually. And my college friends are great. And one of the things about them that I love very much is that they really don't, we don't pass judgment on each other. And this is a very magical thing for me. In fact, one of my friends, Kendra, she holds up a sign during the Zoom call that says judgment-free zone. And the reason why that's so important is because all of us are working moms, all of us have kids, all of us have bills to pay. And so sometimes we sort of say to each other like, oh my gosh, you know, I did this thing where I just let my kid watch TV for three hours and we'll all say, it's okay, you know, this is really hard. And Kendra will hold up the sign that says judgment-free zone. We know that the people in the group, we don't pass judgment on each other. And as a result of it, we can be really honest about who we are. 
we really don't have any like crazy secrets except for the fact that for me, mostly I talk about how I eat Oreos like at an exponential rate. So like if you, if you look at any graph of the, for the coronavirus, that is, that mimics my Oreo intake graph, but Hey, judgment free zone, hopefully guys. Okay. So anyway, my point is, this is why Nick Carraway is important to us as a narrator is because everybody in the book is going to have a secret and everybody in the book is going to tell Nick Carraway their big secret. So he's the perfect narrator. Okay. The other thing about these opening two paragraphs that's super important is that we have a major theme upon us, guys. Major theme alert. The major theme here that we open up with is this theme of the American dream. And it's really not even the American dream. Well, it is the American dream. I have to to take a sigh here because I hope you guys are reading enough of the news to know that our country is we suffer from inequality on a major, major scale. And if you didn't realize it now, if you didn't realize it before, I think the coronavirus is making us realize that. I want to read this last sentence from the last paragraph that I read. He says, oh, sorry, the last two sentences. Reserving judgment judgments is a matter of infinite hope. I am still a little afraid of missing something if I forget that. As my father snobbishly suggested, and I snobbishly repeat, a sense of of the fundamental decencies is parceled out unequally at birth. So what does this mean? It means that upon being born in America, we are unequal. And I want you to think about how that runs so, that is running directly in contrast to what we know to be true, which is that all men are created equal. But we know, we know Fitzgerald knew in 1922 and we know in 2020, all men are not created equal in this country. You are born into a world that can look very different than someone else's world. I have a lot to say about this topic and I'm going to digress again. This is, this being a teacher right now is so hard because students keep asking me, are you going to grade me on this? And one thing that My husband's a teacher. We've talked about this a lot. And we've talked about the concept, like, what are we grading you on, right? If we give you actual grades, and I'm not saying we're not going to, but there are so many hidden things, like, aren't we grading you on if you have effective access to technology? Aren't we grading you on if your parents can support you during this time? Aren't we grading you on so many things that don't have anything to do with you know, doing the reading. The thing that I want you to think about is other things like this. Once the schools closed, we had all these families in our district who wouldn't be able to get food for two of the three meals of the day. And then we have other people in our district who that reality has never crossed their mind. In our district, I'm not talking about New York City. I'm not talking about Los Angeles. I'm talking about right here. Because inequity is something that plagues this entire country, no matter where you live. In a meeting with Mr. Malash, and he has said this several times, he said something to the effect of, you know, this situation, if you're a person who doesn't have access to certain things, certain technologies, you're going to really struggle. 
And if you're a person who has access to everything, you will be able to maintain, if not pull ahead. And that is exactly what happens in The Great Gatsby. Oh, I'm, I'm getting so, what's the word I'm looking for? Wrapped up in this concept because this is what makes The Great Gatsby a, a, a great work of literature. The problems that this country had in 1922 are the problems that this country has a hundred years later. And that is the mark of a great work of literature. It, quote, stands the test of time. Or I like to say, it transcends time and space. So the theme, the thing happening in New York City in 1922 is the thing happening in Metro Detroit in 2020, which is the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Oh, and it's, it's a sad reality, but it's also a reality that, my, you know, my generation, the generation before me, nobody has ever been able to really turn around. And now I'm really digressing, but I mean, I think you guys, your generation, the people that are going to take the reins post COVID-19, you guys could be the people to do it for sure. But this is why this book is so amazing is because it talks about themes that are present today. Okay, that was a long digression, but it, that it was still really important. So this concept of fundamental decencies being parceled out unequally at birth is a reality in 1922, and it is a huge reality in 2020. And if you don't know that it's a reality, what do you think that says about where, who you were born to and where you were born? it probably means that you've never had to think about a lot of things. And that's okay. I'm just saying you can think about them now. Okay. A couple background pieces of information that I want to highlight from the first 10 pages about Nick Carraway. The first being that his social class is really, really important. Just like how we're on the theme of, of economic inequality. Economic inequality, we sort of have to define the economic status of every character. And that's not as easy as you think. So for Nick, there are some key qualities that he comes out with in the first 10 pages. The first is that he does go to college, okay? He comes from what he says. He comes from well-to-do people in this middle Western city. So he kind of talks about how he's from, we'll just call it the Midwest, right? Because we're from the Midwest. He kind of believes he's got this like hardworking personality, but or sorry, I should say, in addition to that, he also goes to college. He says he graduated from New Haven in 1915. So that's the time period that we're in. We're going to be in 1922 in just a sec. So he grows up in the Midwest. He graduates from college. And then he decides that he is going to go into the bond business. And he is going to move to New York City. Okay? So he moves to New York City. And this is all on the ninth page of my book. Um, and he says, it was a matter of chance that I should have rented a house in one of the strangest communities in North America. It was on that slender and riotous island, which extends itself due east of New York, and where there are, among other natural curiosities, two unusual land formations of land. Okay, so we're going to get into the unusual formations of land later on in the week. What you need to know about Nick Carraway is that he's in the bond business. And he's going to live on a peninsula. He's going to be driving distance from downtown New York City. 
but he lives in this really beautiful place that's on the water. These two places are called East Egg and West Egg. And we'll get there in a minute. Okay, the other thing I want to tell you about Nick is that he says, um, I was rather literary in college. One year I wrote a series of very Solomon obvious editorials for the Yale News. So he, we know that Nick is um, kind of bookish. We know that Nick is interested or he's working in the finance district. And in terms of social class, okay, Nick is like a hardworking guy. So he did go to college, so he's certainly not of he's not from people who are poor because his family could afford to send him somewhere. But at the same time, we're going to meet some people in this book in chapter one who are insanely rich, like own multiple horses rich. And I'll put a bunch of images in classrooms so you guys can see. So Nick is not of that status. Even though he's from a, a well-to-do family, he's really not as well, he's not wealthy at all. He's just a guy who went to college and now he's got a job because he's got to pay the bills. Okay. The last thing I want to say before I wrap it up for the night is that he comes to New York city in the summer of 1922. And this is important. If you guys remember a million years ago when you watched the John Green video, he's coming to New York city at sort of the start of this quote, roaring decade. And you're going to, the, the other reason why this novel is so important is because it, it really demonstrates the decade. We go up really fast and then we crash. And I don't want to say anything more than that, but he goes to New York city in the summer of 1922. And it's also important that it's summertime. Cause you want to think like, you know, just how summer is here. Like people are out, people are social. The world is full of promise. Anything can happen. That's kind of the vibe of when he arrives. Okay. So those are some important things about Nick Carraway. And tomorrow night, we're going to talk about two more important characters in a little bit of setting. Okay. One more time, guys. If you have questions, email me. I will post Google meet times sometimes tonight or tomorrow. But I hope you're there on the other side of this microphone. And all I want from you well, I shouldn't say all I want, but I really want you to try. I want you to try. And if you read the reading and you think, I do not understand this, that's okay. You can tell yourself, I don't understand this, comma, not I don't understand this, period. You're going to say, I don't understand this, but I know Mrs. Ford is going to help me get through it tonight. Okay? That's what I want you to tell yourself. I hope you enjoy chapter one. You don't have to read the whole thing in one day. Slow and steady wins the race. Take your time, okay? I'll see ya. I'll hear ya, whatever the expression is, tomorrow night. Thank you for listening. <laughs>